0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Mark 2. If you were to walk into an emergency room today, what would you expect to see? Everyone sitting there calmly, looking good, dressed in their Sunday best, with smiles on their faces, looking bright and happy? No, that's not what you would expect. You would expect that it's going to be messy in there. People are; may even be bloodied or bandaged from an accident. People may seem frazzled and uncertain because they have an emergency. And you're going to find a bunch of people, though, that know they need help. Well, today, Jesus uses imagery similar to this when he reminds us that those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. And we're going to see more of that imagery and see how Jesus came to deal with sin. And we're going to see that especially in the first couple stories that we look at today. Uh, It starts with Jesus healing this paralytic man. And uh, this lets us in on on some of the details. This paralytic man is carried by four men and they come and uh, Jesus is teaching, it seems, and there he's preaching the word, verse two, and there's no room in this house. And so they remove the roof above Jesus and they make an opening and they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And it says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So here we're going to come to some very important things uh, that will really deal with the identity of Jesus and show us his power to forgive sins. Also, notice what draws Jesus even. What does he see in these men in the in the paralytic? He, he notices their faith. These guys have faith in Jesus. And that prompts him to say, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, And then there's this thought from the scribes saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus, he perceives their thoughts and he says to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So really, I think this is a very powerful passage pointing to the deity of Christ. Because they are saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is saying, I can. And Jesus there is claiming equality with God. He's not saying, well, no, I, I can forgive sins too. Uh, he, he is claiming equality with God here and demonstrating it with power. And notice that we've talked about this with Matthew, but the whole idea there is it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because no one can, you know, screen the man and say, oh, oh, wow, look, his sins are forgiven. There's no way to tell that right off the bat. But when you say, rise, take up your bed and walk, well, there's an immediate way to test whether those words took effect or not. And so to show that he has authority to forgive sins, he tells the man to walk and the man walks and they say, we've never seen anything like this. So one takeaway and one always principle from this passage is that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Jesus, as the Son of God, here calling himself the Son of Man, has authority to forgive sins. And we should know we need our sins forgiven and we should draw near to Christ by faith to have those sins forgiven. And we'll see this continue on in kind of this next part of the passage, where he sees Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. So here, uh, Jesus is calling this tax collector to follow him. And really, I think what we're seeing here, kind of uh, fleshing out something we saw in Mark chapter one, this is what repentance and faith looks like. Jesus calls a tax collector and these tax collectors, they they were sinners. I mean, they they were looked down upon for a reason. They were not living righteously. They were taking what wasn't theirs. And here one of them leaves that life behind to go and follow Jesus Christ. And he invites Jesus apparently into his house and many tax collectors and sinners, it says, were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And there were many who followed him and the scribes Of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So here, Jesus now has this new convert in Levi, and now Levi is introducing him to his friends, and the Pharisees are kind of turning their noses up at it. And there's a couple things to learn from this passage. One is just that clear truth that people need to admit that they are sick. All right, go back to the emergency room. Sometimes people have to admit, I need help that draws them to the emergency room to get that help. If you want to experience the forgiveness of your sins, guess what? You have to admit that you are a sinner who needs a savior. And again, if you're reading through the Bible for the first time, or you haven't thought about this before, I want to challenge you. Have you admitted, I need a Savior? I'm a sinner. I'm sick. I'm one of the sick people, and I need healing in my soul. That that is what Jesus is calling you to. And one of the big problems, I would say even in America, this is one of the greatest challenges to evangelism, is getting people to admit that they're sinners who need a Savior, Uh, A lot of people, they don't really have big objections to Jesus, him dying on the cross or rising again. A lot of people have been raised to believe that. But where people have a much harder time is admitting, I'm one of those sinners that Jesus died for. That's, That's important for everybody, including you, to believe. And then once you are saved, that's not something you should ever forget. You should never start to think, well, I'm saved because I'm so smart or I'm so good. No, it's the mercy of Jesus, your savior. That's why you're saved. And then we also will notice that there's there's gonna be messy aspects to ministry. Uh, that Jesus now is discipling this tax collector. And uh, apparently evangelizing to his friends. And some people are looking down on that. And that's something that will carry over into ministry today. And now you should not use this verse and this idea of him eating with tax collectors and sinners as a license to just hang out with the world, and you shouldn't forget the biblical principle that bad company ruins good morals. That That's not the point of this passage to say, hey, go um, isolate yourself from the church and just hang out with non-believers. Uh, that, that's not the point of this. But the point is, Jesus here is hanging out with someone who has repented, and he is using that as an opportunity to hang out with others who maybe had repented, or maybe he's giving them the gospel. Uh, but People are looking down on that, and that's still going to apply in some ways today. If you want to share the gospel, well, you're going to have to share it to people who need to hear the gospel. And as people get saved, well, a lot of their friends aren't going to be Christians, and that should be an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Uh, but the pharisees who are self-righteous they don't think that they need uh, a savior you know they turn their noses up at all of this and these are some things that that we need to watch out for, especially if we're seeking to evangelize, if we're seeking to help baby Christians. Well, just like human babies, sometimes there's going to be some mess that comes along with that. And Jesus is not afraid of that. Jesus welcomes that, and so should you. And again, don't twist the words of Christ here to say, well, hey, I can isolate from the church with the excuse of evangelism. Don't twist Jesus' words here to say that we should Uh, allow unrepentant sin into the church. No, no, that is not what it is saying. But it is saying, well, there's going to be some messy aspects of this, and some people will turn up their noses. And that was not the heart of Jesus Christ. In the next section, we get a question about fasting, where John's disciples and the Pharisees, they're fasting, and they're asking, why don't yours? And Jesus, I think, again, this plays to the unique time that they are in where the bridegroom is there with them. Jesus is there in the flesh Flesh, so they're not fasting. And then we get this illustration of uh, sewing, you know, a patch on an old garment or new wine into old wineskins and how that doesn't work. And I think the point is uh, the teaching of Jesus is not going to mesh uh, just with the the human traditions that had sprung up uh, along with the scripture. That, That just was not going to work out. And again, there's ways that still affects us today. We can't just get caught up in human man-made regulations and act like that captures what God wants. No, we need to pay attention to the scriptures and to the gospel and what those are saying to us. And finally, we'll pick up more on this tomorrow because in Mark 3, there's continuation of this idea of controversy between Jesus and the religious leaders about the Sabbath. And it starts here at the end of chapter two with his disciples plucking heads of grain. And the Pharisees are saying, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And that's where I would say, let's use one of our three timeouts and say, wait, is what they're doing actually a biblical violation of the Sabbath? No, it's not. This is not actually breaking one of the commandments of God. And you see the Pharisees are twisting the Sabbath and making it something that it was never even meant to be. And Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that, that's a good, that's a good thing that sometimes you might need to think about for situations in your life. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was meant to be a gift. You, you, can, you should rest one day a week. That's a good thing. But they had twisted it where it was like man was made for the Sabbath. And that wasn't the heart of it at all. Sometimes I've had to counsel people and kind of use this principle and say something like quiet times, setting aside a time in your day to read the word and to pray, quiet times were made for man. This is meant to be a blessing for you, not man for quiet times. And sometimes we can get overly rigid with human traditions uh, where we make something a burden when it was meant to be a blessing. And that's what they were doing with the Sabbath. There's still ways people can do this today and make sure that you're not doing it to yourself or to other people, taking something good that is meant to be a blessing and turning it into a burden. That's not what the Sabbath was. In modern times, that's not what a quiet time should be. And so we need to learn these lessons and not follow in the footsteps of the Pharisees. And the biggest way that you need to not follow in the footsteps of the Pharisees is by admitting that you are a sinner who needs a Savior. You need to pull up to the emergency room and say, I need saving because Faith in Christ is the only place you are going to find that. But in Christ, we find the Son of Man, one who has authority to forgive sins. Praise God for that today. I want to encourage you to worship. Even as you wrap up listening to this podcast, spend time worshiping God for the amazing truth that through Jesus, you can be forgiven. That's worth praising God for today.